0: Okay. I know some of you guys are like, where have you been? I was on vacation last week, so I just decided to completely unplug and not post and not have a podcast. And then I realized it was like Wednesday morning that I was like, I don't think I said anything about not posting this week because I got like 10 messages for people being like, Did I miss something? <laughs> and I was like, ooh, my bad. Um but I've realized more and more that as I work in social media and I do more things around it, I like could care less. I think like as I I unplugged last week, I was like, I could never go back to social media and be just as happy and be like one of those elderly people with a flip phone. And that's, it. I I truly could be happy with just like a, not even a digital camera, with a film camera. Like I would be the most happy woman in the world, but I just had to take a break. And if you know me really well, you know that I am somebody that lives from rest. I do not live to work. I do not try to exert myself past anywhere that I can be. I just, I live from rest. And for those of you guys that have never heard that statement before, it's the most biblical thing. Because when you're living from rest, what you're actually doing is saying God. I am allowing you to take the place of where I, sh- I feel like I could build it myself. And living from rest isn't doesn't mean that I don't work harder. I have no work ethic. It just means that I know that there are moments when I need to pick something up. And there are moments when I know it's his job to pick it up and for me to sit back as a daughter. And so it's really funny because this week I've had like four or five conversations about living from rest from people who are Enneagram threes who are just like, I need to like be successful. I need to be doing things like things need to be produced. And I'm like, what if we all calmed down for a second? Like, what if you just breathed, you know? And then you did your best for whatever amount of time. And then you sat down and you said, okay, God, take it. And they all kind of looked at me like, yeah, okay. Okay. But I was like, I don't know if this is actually hitting your heart. I'm, I probably sound like to them, I'm probably like the laziest person in the world, which I'm not, I'm just countercultural to their culture. So, but we're going to talk I had a plan to talk about this last week, but then I made that decision to take a break. So, I just was like, yeah, I'm just going to talk about it this week. There is one big thing that I have noticed when working with young people and it's not anything that I'm like, oh, you're a terrible person, but it's something that I I don't know where it came from. But it's very unbiblical, which is living on our own personal convictions. And whenever I talk about this, some people are like, they get really triggered by me talking about that. And I think that they get triggered because it's easy to live from our own will or live from a place of to not live in surrender, is what I'm going to say. And I, I think we've used personal conviction to allow ourselves to sin and not feel guilty about it. That's what I've watched personal conviction come to, right? To take things from the Bible that are completely biblical and go, well, that's not my personal conviction. But I just want to say this, if it's his personal conviction, then that's yours. And so if God says in his word, this is what I want, you got to follow it. You can't play this game with God of, okay, well, I don't feel personally convicted by that, so I don't think that that's a big deal. But we need to understand that God is a garter of our hearts, that God is a good father. And so his first instinct as a father is to protect his sons and daughters. And so in the word, when it's saying things about not engaging with certain things in culture or in the world. It's not that God's going, I want to take away all your fun. It's God going, actually, I want to protect you from a place where you no longer have a heart that's burdened for mine and you feel shame and condemnation, where you feel as though you can no longer come. He doesn't want prodigal son situations. He doesn't want you to come to him in your brokenness and be like, here I am. He, he'll always hold you and bring you back and restore you but he doesn't want you to have to live in that place, right? So when we're talking about that, one of my big things about personal convictions is always coming back to this statement. In First Peter, it talks about being holy for I am holy, right? So what is holiness? What is it, right? And so whenever I'm trying to explain holiness to people, I explain it in this. It is the purity of the offering. It is without sin. It is without blemish. It is perfect, which is God. God is the essence of holiness, right? So when he's calling us to be holy, he's saying, okay, follow my word for I've shown you how to be holy. He knows you're not going to be perfect. There, There is no way to ever be perfect. It is something that I personally live on, I almost said my personal conviction. No, but it is something that I personally say to people that are like, well, I have to be perfect. No, it's impossible. Perfection is never going to be attainable. The only perfect person to ever walk the earth was Jesus. So why am I ever going to try to attain perfection? I can do my best. I can do my best every single day. And I can come to him as a humble daughter every single day and go, I tried my best. And he goes, that's enough. Because that is a good father that is why we have grace. That is why we have mercy. And so when we're talking about personal convictions and we're talking about being holy, God is saying, will you follow me and just try your best? Don't try to rewrite what I've done. Don't try to make little pathways into heaven, but just try to follow me. And it says this in 1 Peter 16. It says, um, honestly, we could start from 13, and it goes, Therefore, prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. And what is really being broken down there is God going, okay, when you stepped into relationship, you put away ignorance, which means you put away all the things that your flesh wanted. You put away the stumbling blocks. You put those things to the side and you said, actually, I'm going to live on the conviction of who you are, of what you have called me to be, of holiness. And so that when we're talking about personal convictions, I've I've watched it be misconstrued into a way of allowing in sin to then flay grace at a deeper level. And I don't say this to be like daunting or savage or convicting. I just say this because honestly, I'm tired of seeing people fall into holes and me have to help them know the love that Jesus has for them because the enemy took them down a place that they're not meant to be in because they lived on a personal conviction, and then the enemy just preyed on that. It's easy to stumble when you have exceptions. It is. It is easy to allow in more exceptions when you're like, uh, well, I'm not really convicted by that. It's not about if you're convicted about it. It's about is he convicted by it? Is he calling it sinful? Is he calling it evil then you're not meant to engage with it then you're not meant to step into it and i think one of the big things is this i've watched where the laying down of our hearts has become more of a i'm going to give you part of my heart and then i'm just going to expect you to know where my heart is i i i get angry about this single statement which is god knows my heart yeah he knows your heart but your actions are showing that your heart is sinful. I just, I've just gotten to this place where I'm like, we can't allow in things that are going to, what's the word that I want to use right now? I got it. We can't allow things in that are going to distort and mess up the offering. I think when you begin to look at your relationship with God in this place of I want to bring you the most pure offering. Being holy means something completely different. Having a personal conviction means something completely different. And I want to say this when your convictions are his convictions, it convicts other people. It makes other people feel uncomfortable. When you're following after the Father wholeheartedly and you're going, Here I am, and I will not bow or bend to anything other than who you are and what you have called me to people get convicted by that. I've watched as as friends have made choices that I don't agree with and I have sat back and and they'll ask me things and I'll tell them the truth and and I won't engage with certain things with them. Like I just remember in college I wasn't the greatest kid in the world in college. Went to a Bible school, but I wasn't like I think I was living in this place of I'm not as bad as them, so it's not really a big deal, right? but then the holy spirit really started to convict me of like just because you don't go out and and party and go to clubs and and do whatever else they're doing doesn't mean that you are are at least as not as sinful as they are right it doesn't mean that your sin outweighs them and so i just remember that really convicting me and being like ooh i probably should like not allow in the little things i should probably like not be drinking with my friends on a hill. Like I probably like shouldn't be doing this stuff. Right. And so I started to get convicted by that. And so I I watched as I started to shed that stuff away that a lot of friends kind of looked at me and were like, what are you doing? Like you're you're fine. Like you show up to prayer every day. You you go to class you help people. Who cares if you're doing this other thing? behind closed doors it's not a big deal and i had to have the conversation of but it's 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 messing with my heart and it's turning things that i thought were pure into the most unpure offering and i realized in the midst of all of it of like okay gabriela like it's time to lay down things and you're probably going to have to lay down friends in order to look like jesus which is scary to a lot of people that's a scary thing to do like Giving up friendship is hard. And I remember this is probably like two years ago. I asked God, I was like, God, you know what? Like, I need you to find me friends that I can run with for a lifetime, that are willing to lay everything on the altar for revival, that don't see the next generation as a burden or leading them as just something to do but as an honor. I I that's what I want. That was my cry in my carpet. God, that's what I want. And I watched as God for 2 years kind of shed away people that I was like, "Oh yeah, totally you're going to run with me." And then boom, just like gone. And I'm like, "Oh, never mind." <laughs> like, and so I've just watched as God has shed things away but also brought forth some beautiful relationships in the midst of it, and he's bringing forth even more beautiful relationships in the midst of it. But that took me getting to the place where I wanted him above all else, where I no longer had my flesh or my personal convictions in the way it was all him. Because I wouldn't have prayed that prayer like five years ago. I wouldn't have. Five years ago, I would have still been living from the, that's not really convicting. That's not really a big deal but as i laid things aside as i picked up his mantle versus mine i watched myself pray deeper prayers i watched myself long for a deeper relationship i watched myself have a level of empathy that i've never ever thought was possible in my life i've watched it all and it's because i picked up his mantle instead of mine so when it comes to personal convictions when it comes to the world into culture. I know a lot of times you always hear, don't even engage with it. Don't even do anything. Da-da-da-da-da. Honestly, I think it's this. I think it's you don't have a personal conviction that's for the world, but you have a burden to see the world heart shift to his. And so when you shift yourself into him, you watched yourself go into more of a loving relationship of looking at the world and going, not going, oh, man, that's so evil. I hope he burns it down, which is like my favorite statement. I like, love to watch things burn. But n- no, you go in and you go, man, that's so evil. God, I just, I want to see your light and love be shined into the darkness. And you watch your prayers go from like an intensity of like, burn it down, like, like Sodom and Gomorrah to God, like rain love upon people so that they know how much you love them? Would you use me as a vessel so that they can know the love of you, that they can know a deep relationship? Because I think as you watch yourself become more like Jesus, pick up more of his convictions, you honestly begin to love people with the same loving eyes that he has. You don't see sin and judge. You see sin and go, how do I bring light to that? How do I be the light in the darkness in the midst of that for them? And you watch people and you see the mistakes or you see the choices that they make and you don't really go, man, that's so dumb, man, I can't believe they're doing that. You just go, man, I, I really want them to know what love is. I really want them to have purpose. You see the deeper wells of why they make choices. And so I think one of the coolest things that my heart has shifted too, because when I first like got a part of this, right, I was like super intense. I was definitely somebody who was like, yeah, like you're going to probably burn in hell. Like that's just what's going to happen. And don't worry, Holy Spirit, like completely convicted me of that and was like, that's not how we love people well. And so I just watched him change that to, okay, how is your heart? How are you doing? And I instead of pushing people away or pushing friends away that aren't living for the Lord, I I honestly just prayed for them deeper, loved them better, and always left the door open. I think the leaving of the door open has been something that has really shifted not only my heart, but their hearts of I know that even in the deepest, darkest valley that I can call Gabrielle and she's gonna pick up for me. And that I could text her. And she's going, to be, she's going to be right there for me. And I love that I can be Jesus in the midst of dark moments for them. I love that I can like be the picture of him because I can't personally be him, but be the model and image of him for them to then know him. I love that. And so, and some people are like, well, you shouldn't really hang out with those people or you shouldn't really do that. And my thing is this, if your heart is truly burdened, and on the altar for Jesus, and you're looking more like him than anything before, eating with sinners and being around them shouldn't really be a big deal. I just, I think a lot of times what scares a lot of people is that it doesn't look perfect, that it gets messy. And I think that if relationship with people gets messy, you're doing it well. And what I mean by messy of, they're dealing with things, they're struggling and you're helping them war through it and you're helping them heal through it. Okay. I'm good with that. I'm willing to set the table for the broken and the least of these above all else, because that's what Jesus would do. And that's the shifting of my heart from living on my own conviction to his, because when I lived on my own conviction, I never would have set a table for anybody else. I would have set the table for me, And said, figure out your own table. I've realized something that as I've looked back on life, the more that I tried to look like the world or be in culture or do what everybody else was doing, the more selfish I became. The more angry, hurt, just anything that looked completely opposite of Jesus is everything that I was. And I thought that my truth. My The way that I loved people by speaking harshly was just who I was. But as I shifted into relationship, as I shifted into looking and modeling my life more like him, I watched my love begin to shift. I watched myself, instead of calling out all the dirt in people's lives, to calling out gold that they may not have seen, to enabling people to be the fullness of who they're meant to be because that's what I feel called to. That is what I feel like making disciples is actually about. I think I had this conversation with somebody who was like, "Well, what do you like feel called to?" And I like told them I was like, I really feel called to the next generation. Um and they kind of looked at me and were like, "That's kind of wild. Like, what do you mean you feel called to the next generation?" I was like, "Well, I feel called to Gen Z and Gen A, like that's really like my heart." And they were like, "Man, was, they're like hard generations." And I said, "No, they're really not. like. They're really not. They're just a generation that's misunderstood. They're a generation that needs somebody to step in. But as we had this conversation and, and I just began to explain, I, I feel called to make disciples. I feel called to this generation, but to make disciples who are better than me. And I watched, this is really funny, this is like a side note, but I watched their face go, wait, what? And I said, yeah, I my goal in life is to raise up young people who can take my position, who can be even better than I could ever be, who can see crazy things, who can bring revival, who can and literally give prophetic words at, an, at, at a level that I could never. I pray that this next generation of disciples that I bring up break chains when they walk through rooms, that the enemy gets scared when their footsteps come. That is my prayer. And they, and they kind of looked at me because honestly, this is what I explained to my sister yesterday was ministry has been too much of what I build, right? Or, or my kingdom or what kind of legacy I leave. I'm like, I don't care to leave a legacy. I hope I leave disciples. I, I don't care. Like I could leave this earth with nothing and I would be fine. But if I knew that at the end of the day, I had built up young people whose hearts are burning after the father, that is the richest gift I could ever be given. And and what I think the shift of a mindset has to be is, is us taking, again, our personal convictions and going, well, I want to build my own kingdom. That sounds like a you thing, not a him. That's not Jesus. Jesus doesn't care about your kingdom. He doesn't. Like I'm just being really honest like, God doesn't care about your kingdom. He's looking at you and going, you think you could build a better kingdom than me? That's wild. But I think the big thing that I'm watching is, one, yes, I feel called to this next generation, but two, is a shifting of we need to build them into disciples that walk into rooms and shift atmospheres. And that starts with teaching them to burden and long for his presence above all else. That starts with calling out things like dumb personal convictions. Because you know who's telling you? You know who's selling you the lie that personal convictions are are important? The enemy. People who don't have deep wells. People who are living in their own selfishness. People who are building their own kingdoms. I don't say these things, I don't preach these things just to just to be heard or just to be said. No, I preach it because it's who he is and it's a lie that is being shown into the world and it's hurting relationships with Jesus. But I, that, I kind of went off. I didn't think this was going to be that long, but I'm literally looking down at the clock, I think rolling. But yeah, that's just personally how I feel. If I can encourage you with one thing this week is figure out places where you've let your own conviction come in, not his, and shift it quickly. Anybody who's preaching to you about how your convictions are above his, somebody you shouldn't be listening to. Good times. All right, guys. That's all I got. I hope you guys have a good week. I'll be back next week. I'm super excited. For next week, I think my sister's going to be on next week, which will be very interesting because she just, I don't know what she'll say, but have a good one.